Hello and welcome, weary podcast traveler. This is my viewfinder. After moving to Calgary and building a family here, I've become much more aware of the burdens of both race and gender, of sexuality, political leanings, and basically any defining characteristic that allows the definition of the capital O other. Shout out to existentialism. Earlier this year, I came across the work of a friend of mine here in Calgary, Esther Cho. Esther wears so many hats. Professionally, she's a nurse who now works in the administrative and technological end of the nursing administration in Alberta. But as a creator, she's a photographer and a poet. She shared with me and through the Perspectives YYC project her personal experiences and amazing body of work. She's become prominent in the Calgary hip-hop scene, and frankly, I can't even keep track of all the work she does. She has boundless energy. The work that I saw, however, was a piece on the experience of gender roles as a Korean. I didn't need to read the accompanying poem to understand that. As soon as I glimpsed it through the stream on Instagram, I immediately scrolled back, and I had to click. The imagery of painted hands over their mouths, for me heightened in black and white, represented blood and censorship, and told me that I needed to have her on record to get the base of her experience. Does photography create an outlet for inner expression? Is it responsible for us having concepts of what we are or aren't or should be or can't be? Does it create expectations and often unreliable projections of what is real? Or does it allow communication to occur, where these concepts can be absorbed, discussed, and evolved with the times? Ultimately, how can I find integrity in my own work if I can't answer these questions boldly and with rigor? Is it the role of a photographer to write a single one of these weird rhetorical questions? Let's see what Esther says on the matter. Uh, what you are saying before, like how photography can be used or has is used to shape or even control culture like I've never really even thought about that before and I think that's so interesting and even like um when I think about that project that I did like for the most part it was more just like um a like expression expression of like an idea in my head and also like um a lot of it too was purely like just for like creativity or just like to try something new and fun like I wanted to take some portraits but something a little bit different and I wanted to try the paint and like just like those little things I was like yeah this will be a cool thing to just experiment with it did get like a bit of response from different people which I thought was interesting and then I but I've never really given it that much thought on like why I did it either so it'd be It'd be cool to kind of dive into that as well. But in this particular project, because I know you've been doing a lot of, uh, at least uh, publicly on Instagram, you're doing a lot of uh, portraiture uh, fashion shots. You worked with 10 of 10 men. So there's already this uh, personal and directed approach to your work. So how does, do you remember like how the project in itself kind of came to your mind? Yeah, um, there was a couple things that kind of inspired it, I guess, or or led to it actually happening. So A, the first thing was I was um, just looking a lot at different people's photography, not on Instagram though, I was looking up, I uh, scroll through Pinterest every so often, just because Pinterest has, its, its platform is a little bit more like, it's less about who's posting it, it's just like pictures, pictures after pictures after pictures. So I was looking through and I saw a bunch of different portraits where people were using paint on the face and like, different lighting and stuff and like really close up headshots where 
you know, like really dramatic shadows and highlighting and lights and then like paint or even like um, colored filters and stuff, just like really um, changing the, f the face a lot, I guess. I don't know how to explain it. Art, portrait and fashion photography that was using, in, in essence, mixed medium and different lighting, uh, gels and uh, creative looks. And then I think you were talking about how lighting itself and color can alter how people look and the final way people are presented in these portraits. Does that sound kind of weird? Yeah. So that's kind of like where it kind of started, where I was thinking, um, I want to try something new, something different. And the, the idea of the kind of like Korean woman and the, the hand over the mouth, that part was a concept, I guess, or an idea that I'd had for a very, very long time because it's it's something that I have experienced throughout my life, I guess, as a Korean woman too. And a lot of it has to do with, um, I mean, there, there's there's a whole side of it where it's like, you know, being a woman entails a lot of things and growing up as like a growing up female and like in the culture I had, like it was a lot of like, oh, you know, girls have to be quiet or girls shouldn't be too loud or girls this and that. Like there's that, there's that side of it, um, but I think more of it for me anyway was around the korean culture aspect of it in korean culture like if you're young or if you're experienced or like if you're young actually the probably the biggest thing like you never talk back to someone who's older than you like the language there's a whole aspect of formality if you're speaking to someone older than you and um, i grew up in a christian baptist church as well so there's like all of that Korean culture mixed in with like kind of religious um, hierarchy and stuff too, which adds a whole nother layer to it. And so I've always grown up thinking like, okay, I, I'm not a typical Korean in that like, I'm pretty tall for a Korean person, um, like born in Canada. I don't speak Korean very well at all. Um, just like culturally very different, but then growing up still being expected to kind of follow this, those cultural rules but like never really understanding it and never really liking it either <laughs> and um i don't know if this is getting too off topic but i'll share like one quick story when i was 19 i went to thailand for a few months to do like volunteer work it's like a mission trip basically but i was like helping teach english at this um school but the school that was there was started by missionaries from south korea so these were people that are like you know, they're, they've never lived in Canada. They're very different from me, very Korean people. But like, yeah, when I was there, um, there was a huge language barrier, which made it really difficult to like understand what their, their rules and their cultures were for like the house, for example. So um, like the, this one guy who like would, he, he came from Korea every few months to teach Taekwondo to, to the kids that were there. Very old guy, very traditional. And I remember so distinctly like, when I first met him, he like reamed me out for not knowing how to speak Korean and just like lectured me for so long. And I was like, I don't even, I just met you. Like, I don't even know who you are. And he just like ripped, ripped me a new one for not knowing Korean. And then that meal too, all of the men sat at the table on regular chairs and all the women sat on the floor and ate. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, this is so bizarre to me, but it also wasn't new because it's not like I hadn't seen that before. Like, that's pretty typical. I was just, I think, really shook enough at the time because I had just been like 
lectured by someone I just met. Um, but anyways, I obviously couldn't say anything back. I, I could have, but it wouldn't have gone anywhere. And I would have just been deemed as like super disrespectful. And even like when I came back, I had found out that the other missionaries there like thought I was really disrespectful because I like <laughs> didn't really follow a lot of the their cultural expectations. But I like literally didn't know what they were. They We couldn't communicate. Um, so that story kind of being the culmination of a lot of experiences in my life, it kind of just, it made me, yeah, I just felt like I couldn't say anything. Even though I had all these thoughts or, or whatever, like I was, basically voiceless and so that's kind of where the, the that idea of the hand over the mouth came from where like there's just all these cultures cultural expectations gender expectations and really what it does is it just left me feeling like I had nothing to say I couldn't say anything and I was very trapped and there was actually a lot of photos that we took after where I tried to get um, the models Eugene and Amelia to like scream at the camera as well because it was going to be kind of like the first photos are where you're trapped, you can't say anything. And then the next set would be like basically trying to break out of it. Those photos didn't really turn out well though, unfortunately. So I couldn't like use them. So it kind of changed the, the overall project a bit, but yeah. The pictures I find quite powerful, right? Um, I was, you know, I like them a lot, um, but I might be informed too by my experiences. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of, uh, particularly with women, there are so many common problems with just how women are believed to, are expected to behave, etc. That will be cross-cultural. But I think uh, a lot of Korean people, if they saw that, you know, with recognizably Korean women, um, are not even going to need your backstory. Uh, I think they're just going to be like, oh, fuck, like, you know, this has to have been taken by a Korean woman because, uh, you know, there's a strong theme there. Yeah, like I grew up, I grew up as a, uh, Canadian Korean in like a community that was like largely that was basically all white like all of my elementary school pictures I'm the only Asian kid like that's like kind of the the setting I grew up in in Calgary so then kind of from a very young age I grew up always feeling like very different and very like outcast and then a lot of my like good friends were other Korean Canadian Korean kids like from church so that's kind of where I found my like community but I remember like as I was getting older in high school and university, I started meeting a lot of first generation Koreans, Koreans that immigrated here for school specifically. And and then, yeah, just getting a lot of like um, criticism or getting made fun of a lot for like not knowing Korean, for not, I, not knowing Korean was like the biggest thing I feel like, cause that's like the first thing that people will realize. So when that experience in Thailand happened, it just again, like reinforced this like bitterness that like, Oh, like I'm never accepted by Korean people, but I'm not white. And so it's like that second generation immigrant story is like so classic and that you just like feel lost. Like there's the identity um, crisis, I guess, where you're, you don't really feel like one or the other. Um, so in my like early twenties, it was a lot of that kind of uh, narrative in my life where I was always just like, I don't really understand like who I am. And I knew I wasn't a white person. I wasn't fully Canadian or whatever you want to call it um, but I also like couldn't really make peace with my Korean culture either or like pursue my Korean culture because I was so like bitter about it and I also just it didn't make sense to me either um, so for a very long time for a majority of my 20s I just like or so early 20s I was wrestling still with it I still wanted to sort of like 
hold on to my Korean culture. And I think because of the time too, I was still like attending church and a lot of my friends were Korean. Um, but then like 23-ish is when I ended up like, I stopped going to church, which is like a whole other story, but I stopped going to church and I lost touch with a lot of like the Korean people in my life and Korean um, like adults, like the first generation people I saw all the time on Sundays, like stopped seeing them. So I stopped like having to even practice any Korean at all. But yeah, once that happened, then I, basically just like cut ties with my culture period. I was like, I'm done. Like I, yeah, I'm Korean and I like Korean food. My parents are Korean, but like I'm not learning Korean ever. Like I'm never going to speak it and I don't need to. And like, you know, I just for a while just totally dropped it. And I kind of just gave up on it in, in terms of like trying to find an identity. And I was like, no, I, I'm a second generation Korean or I'm a Canadian Korean. And like it itself is its own identity. And I'm cool with that. It doesn't have to be either or. But like, I was okay with that and I was at peace with that. But there was still always like, you could just tell I was a bitter person. I think we've had conversations about this prior to where we were just like, where I just kind of had these like bitter comments that just come out naturally. But interestingly enough, just in like maybe the last couple of months, um, I think for a, for a while, maybe the last like couple years leading up to it, I, I was really trying, I've been really trying to like make more effort to spend more time with my parents. And like uh, when my sister passed away in 2018, that was like for me a huge wake up call in that like, I don't want to take uh, any time with my family for granted. And it really brought us closer together too. So I was like, okay, from then on, I really want to spend more time with them. I want to hang out with them more and talk with them more, especially while they're like relatively healthy and able to. So that's kind of, it started there. And then I was like, the thought came always where I was like, maybe I should learn Korean because then I can speak better with my, my dad, especially because his English is not very good. So like my dad has so many like very interesting stories to share, but like it's hard for him to explain some things because he just can't, speak English very well so I'm like okay I should I should learn but I always put it off and I was way too busy doing millions of other things anyway so I was like it just never happened and then now with COVID now that I'm stuck at home all the time like photography is on the back burner right now like I can't meet with anyone I can't really do anything that so I've been like trying to find new hobbies and stuff and one of them is I just started like studying Korean again interestingly enough like two weeks ago maybe so that's been like a very interesting experience coming coming full circle back to this kind of like trying to make amends with it almost and it brings up a lot of feelings oddly enough because I'm like oh so many memories from like trying, trying to speak this language but um, it's not as painful as it was when I was younger because I think I just have a different perspective on it now and I'm doing it for a different reason I guess I have a uh similar experiences but a different output like listening to you you know you seem to i think um, be interested in uh, like even the piece that you did for the magazine you know there uh, i mean other than how personal and, and kind of uh, searching it is you know there are your human forms in both pieces so there's something i think that you've been reaching out to express uh, perhaps uh, that you couldn't and weren't allowed to express anything i i I want to kind of like bring it up that way just because of this central idea I have. You know, whether, for example, the piece that you created is about expressing who you think you are or the roles that exist. I mean, even the idea of like a more abstract, like the image of a 
good Korean, you know, person. I don't know if you did sebe, but like dressing up in a hanbok and like kneeling down in front of your parents and like, you know, the correct way to lower one knee. Like you can't even just bow because there are incorrect ways of doing that. Um, and then like on a funnier side, like you know, Helen and I have been watching. I so I've also been softening up on this Korean culture thing. So I watched my first K drama on. Uh, Netflix, but Crash Landing Onto You is like the best show I've ever oh, watched in my life. I, I also tried to watch that. I personally, I couldn't finish it, but I watched another one shortly after, just like another one my friend suggested. It's called Signal. You should watch it. Just, you should watch it. <laughs> so, so we watched that. And then um, we've always liked, you know, these uh, dance and fashion and like these competition shows that were all the rage in the America. So, two new ones came out there's two fashion ones um and they featured korean designers and what's funny and fascinating is um they're both female fashion designers and they're obsessed with hanboks there's an image in everybody's head about the correct way to dress the correct way to look and i wonder if um photography plays a role in that i, I this might not actually be explicit but do you think that there's a role that photography plays in telling you both like how you're supposed to be i mean that's i i think the problem with social media but also in your art practice um that you find that's informing <clears throat> how you approach like even setting up amelia and eugene and like for example wanting them to uh, express in that case like anger and release i mean what 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 is it about those pictures that you felt didn't work you know that's there's something interesting about that right um and maybe and, and i don't know because i haven't seen them but I wonder if like in 10 years you'll go back and they may work for you at that point. Yeah, that's that's a good question. For sure, I definitely agree that photography and sp more so specifically social media like influences a lot on like what we end up posting or what we end up even shooting to begin with. I think I, I, I have such a love-hate relationship with Instagram because Instagram on the positive end like largely brought me to where I am now like I've met so many people through Instagram so I really can't like absolutely hate on it it definitely like opened a lot of doors and I'm I yeah just I met so many good friends that I have now through it so in some sense like it was super helpful but at the same time it I have to be really careful when I'm like looking and scrolling through my business account because or my photography account because yeah like well, A, there's there's an oversaturation of like a certain type of photo or like a style of photo. And then so there's that piece. But also like, yeah, like I A, you kind of want your feed to look a certain way. There's like if I'm um, selling myself as a photographer, like as my business, then I have to think about what photos are on my feed because that's what people often see first before they decide to message me. So like there's that element and I have to even like the the feed itself like you know planning when you're gonna post stuff and like I hate that I do this but I can't help it I'm like I look at it I'm like okay I want to there at least be like a good balance of color and I want it to be this and that because if someone's new and they come to my page they're just gonna quickly scroll so I want it to at least be like grabbing but then it, it does force me to like really calculate when I'm gonna post things and this and that which annoys me but it's like part of it and then the, the photos that like I felt like didn't turn out it's it's because like well on one hand they didn't really like look the way I was envisioning it in my head so there was that part of it but the other two is that like it wasn't the most flattering photo of my friends and I didn't want to post those which 
that to, is kind of part of the social media thing where I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't really want to post these photos of them, like put them on blast when they're not like the most appealing or like attractive photos and stuff. There's always this tension. So uh, for me, I think before there's a general, I mean, I'm often called, you know, anti-capitalist or communist or whatever, but there's a tension between this idea of having to market and sell either yourself or your work or an image or some something. And I think the social capital, whatever the catchphrase lately, um, it's very real and I think overpowering. I just, I think it's interesting that you bring up this idea because something that I, I think a lot about, um, which I hope that this process I can learn more about is uh, whether there's such a thing as art for art's sake or if everything that we do already is biased by this imagination that we have of who we think will see it. And um, that's a very broad thing. I mean, for example, if you're working with another human being, um, like I've done portrait work where I, I have the self-narrative that they don't like it in the end because I don't take out, you know, stuff. In the last two, three years, what would happen is I would just get Helen to edit it for me, uh, like in the final pass, because I would select contextual images almost like in a documentary sense where it's like, yeah, like they look like shit, but this is where they were. <laughs> yeah. They were sitting like this. This was real. <laughs> yeah. And they do look happy, but yeah, like there's a role, there's a fucking this, like this is just how human beings look. And Helen's the one that's like, well, look, they're not going to want to see representations of themselves regardless of the situation in this light um and so from a business i i mean i don't know it's not like i'm a businessman but like from a yeah uh, a client-based perspective that that's a rational way to approach it but for me personally i would just put that out um i think um but I think that's also why I've been really, like you said, I've been very disassociative with photography in general for a little while. I, I just don't understand what my role is anymore in it. Um, you know, I I wonder, I wonder a lot about this stuff, your project in particular, you know, is the images that you posted, are they gonna end up being a reflection of how you view yourself, or how you want people to see you? You know, this person I've been watching a seminar from uh, likens our modern photography age to idolatry, where we are building uh, objects to worship in the form of people. I get really upset uh, childishly when I, I read, you know, Kendall Jenner has billion, whatever, fuck, like she's the most popular human being on earth. And I looked at Helen, I, got, I was like yelling. I was like, what has this person done? other than being part of a trash fucking reality TV show family, uh, you know, that she's lauded as this like social, I mean, political, I don't know, like this goddess, and I don't know. And I'll, I'll be judged and probably told I'm wrong for having this opinion because the flip side is idealistic, like that people have to, you know, earn your respect or do something of cultural or social significance, which is also kind of a bullshit idea too, because. I don't, I couldn't define to you what that means. Like when I read submissions for that first issue of the magazine, I think that everybody that put something in that I published had something of personal, social, or um, I don't know, just like expressive value to me. 
But that magazine in reflection has a lot of my bias too, because I turned away stuff as well that I thought um, didn't have a tone that I agreed with. But that's not purely unbiased stuff. This is why I want to have talks with people who create stuff. Yeah, and I had I just had a thought too. So like on the note of like the my those those portraits and like I think for me a lot of the photos that I've made like kind of the more conceptual artistic ones where I was like trying to like convey a message or something express something personal um, it always came kind of from a place of there was an element of like oh it, it's like a healing process it's like something that I can put my energy into that will help me like move forward like the grief um, photos I did it was like something to like put the grief energy into but largely ultimately for a lot of the projects I've done they're all like kind of like uh, attempts to be understood the photos themselves like I always feel like it has to be accompanied by some writing because if there isn't any writing they might not really get it like the viewer might not understand it and to me because the fact that I worry about that tells me like what I really want is for people to understand me more and like to appreciate and understand like the the pain or the struggle or the thought or whatever that I have that I'm trying to like put out in this picture I don't know it's interesting because I think when I was younger early 20s and even like up until maybe last year or just recently I yeah I was always wanting to be understood and I I hated being misunderstood um, and I like that again all ties to the Korean culture stuff too like I just hated like not being um, um, like just for people thinking that I'm something that I'm not or whatever. Um, more so these days, I, I think it's part of it is just as I'm getting older and I'm just, maybe I'm just like losing energy and I just have less energy to, to care as, mu <laughs> as much. I think it's age is more, uh, when you get older and wiser, you realize none of it actually fucking matters. <laughs> yeah, and, and truly like people, um, most of the time people won't, try to understand you they're gonna misunderstand you and it's like that's just kind of where it ends so yeah i don't know like i i've also been pretty like disconnected with photography these days as well like i haven't really tried to do anything because i'm just like i have nothing to shoot in my there's nothing in my mind right now i'm just trying to survive like <laughs> so yeah i don't know it's it's a weird photography is a weird thing for sure and like Social media being a part of it too makes it that much more complicated and I wrestle with it all the time.